Good morning, all you brave folks. Good morning. That's right. I'm glad that you are here. I hope you're going to be glad when we leave. <laughs> um, let me call your attention to uh, your worship bulletin. You will notice, you will notice on Wednesday night, um, we will be uh, joining the First Christian folks uh, for Ash Wednesday at First Christian Church at Six o'clock, unless you're in the choir. What time are you supposed to be there? Five thirty. Five fifteen. Good job. The rest of the uh, announcements you will find in the bulletin. Are you playing pickleball today? Yes, yes ma'am. Yes, ma'am. We're going to play pickleball today. Um. Yeah. But show up. Oh, it's hard to get them pickles. As you all know, uh, Tim Hobbs is well. Uh, Tim is in Georgia this morning at his home church, having a youth and youth choir. Reunion. <laughs> Not because he's a youth anymore. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the youth and the youth choir from his home church are having a reunion and they're singing this morning in the morning worship. Um, that sounds like so fun. So uh, be with him. Welcome to this house of God this morning. Um, I am glad that you are here. I'll be preaching to myself. <laughs> I've read this over and it's good. Uh, I told Rudy this morning, I should have just emailed it out and said, here, read it for yourself. <laughs> but I promised Bob it would be a one-sucker sermon. He said he only had one sucker. So I promised it would be a one-sucker sermon. Um, there are uh, red books on the aisles, as you all know. Please sign in and give us the, give us your information. Um, thank you for being here. Um, let us stand and greet each other this morning. Hello. Hello.
holy God. We have gathered in your house this cold, snowing morning because we needed to be together. And we needed to be with you. We find you here, greeting us with open arms and unconditional love. And God, in a world where judgment is rampant, hate is displayed, and empathy and compassion seems as outdated as a rotary phone, we find you here in this place. And we feel safe and welcomed by you. But as wonderful as that is, we are not called to hog you all to ourselves like your love and grace will run out if we share it. Remind us that the more we give, the more we have. Your word tells us that the more we give, the more we receive, full measure pressed down and running over. Thank you for this place, for being here with us for the friendships that we build and the life we share. Help us remember that there is a world out there who need your love and grace displayed by our open arms. May we come into this place to find you and leave this place carrying you with us. In the name of the one who created us in his own image, we offer our prayer. Amen. Amen.
Good morning. How are you all doing this morning? So, Reverend Mary is going to talk to us a little later about a time when Jesus went to pray on a mountain. And when he prayed, his clothes started to glow this brilliant white, almost as if he were an angel figure. And God came down and literally spoke to the people that were with him. And they could hear the words that God spoke very clearly, just like I'm talking to you. Okay? So, when you pray... Can, can any of you tell me a, a good reason as far as, as, as what there is to pray about? What is something that you might pray for or pray about? Like if, so what would you pray for if you had a family member who died? Sure, sure. What about uh, if if you're having trouble with your brother or sister? <laughs> is is that something that you might pray? So so a lot of times the reason I bring that up is a lot of times when we pray, we pray that God does something for or with somebody else, right? So if you're having trouble with your brother or sister or with something else in your life, you may pray that God wants to fix that person to where you can tolerate them better. Right? Is that is that does that sound something familiar, right? And what I I wanted to talk to you about today is that the reason that we pray is not because God necessarily can do something for us. It's so that we can train ourselves to listen for when God speaks to us. Because when God speaks to us, even even the adults in the room, when God speaks to the adults in the rooms, it, it's not always conversational. It, it's not always like, I'll say, hey God, how are you doing? And he says, Brad, I'm doing great. <laughs> he will speak to us by showing us how we can do better. And showing us how we can make an impact on our own lives and on the lives of people around us. So if we're having trouble with something in our lives, what we might ask God for is the ability to do better in our own selves to help that situation out. You know, So if you have a sister or a brother or a parent or something in life that's very challenging to you at the moment, what you might pray for is for God to give you the power and the strength to do better and to recognize what you can do to make that relationship better in your lives, right? Uh, so what I want to do now is, is, if you will, if you'll bow your heads with me, and if you will repeat after me, here is, here is a very simple prayer uh, that you might use later on in your lives, okay? Uh, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything that you have done for me. Please grant me the wisdom to know when I can do better in my life and how I can show you to others. Amen. All right. He'll just turn it off for
gracious and loving God, we come to this altar now to give our gifts to you. Lord, we're so thankful for what you give us. Lord, we also want to thank you for this church and this church family. That's the blessings and traveling mercies for our pastor today, Lord, as he's out of town. Lord, we ask you to be with the ones who couldn't be here today. Again, God, we thank you and we praise you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.
<laughs> we just got the piano back um, after it was restored and refurbished and it really sounds wonderful, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, it came back on Thursday, so thank you, Jika. All right, I'm reading today from uh, Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. Now about eight days after these things, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James, and he went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he had said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified, and they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one of the things they had seen. This is the word of the Lord.
I have been on a number of mission trips, some with adults and some were youth mission trips, but there are two that stand out for me. In 1997, while I was on staff of Marion Baptist Church, I was invited to go on a medical mission trip to St. Lucia. Yeah, I know, tough gig. <clears throat> um, let me just clarify something here. The resort lavish tourist part of St. Lucia is on the northern end of the island. We stayed with a missionary couple who was stationed on the southern end of the island. This was not that. Our team consisted of two ophthalmologists, two optometrists, a surgical nurse, a registered nurse, an optician, and me, the lone non-medical person. They taught me enough before we left to be semi-helpful without being underfoot all the time, but it was incredible. The team was made up of smart, talented, gentle-hearted, compassionate, caring, slap-up funny people of faith. We saw about 150 people a day in this makeshift clinic where raw sewage ran in the ditches just outside. We would test folks' vision, check for glaucoma, that was my job, and fit them with a pair of glasses from the hundreds we took compliments of the Lions Club. The ophthalmologist did two or three surgeries a day in the local hospital. We arrived on the weekend, so we joined a group of locals and this missionary couple for worship on Sunday. Now, the church was wooden benches on a dirt floor under the house of the host. Um, The houses were built on stilts to protect them from floodwaters, very similar to those at Gulf Shores, except not quite so fancy. The congregation was a group of folks who who spoke different languages, too, as I recall. There were folks who were deaf and used sign language, and then there was us, the English-speaking white people from Virginia. But the most powerful part of that worship service was singing the hymn, Majesty, together. Yes, the very one we sang this morning, and no, Felisa and I did not plan that. Thanks, God. He tickles me sometimes. We all sang in our native language, and those who were deaf signed, but the music and the tune was the same. It was so incredible that even this morning, as I flash back to that worship service, It takes my breath away, and my heart is full. We worship together. Different languages, different backgrounds, different skin color. One God. I could have stayed there all day. But the afternoon was full of preparation for the clinics, and there was work to be done. 
The second was our mission trip to Atlanta a few years ago. When was that? 2005, 6? 5? 2005? It was before Rachel got sick. I remember her being with us. Isn't it interesting, though, that it, that seems to be a time marker for this congregation. We mark this church's history by the date it was constituted, the date you had your first worship service in this building, the date Tim Hobbs was called as pastor, the date Rachel got sick, and soon the date we pay off our building debt. But I digress. There was, what, 20 of us in that group? Yet another team of smart, talented, compassionate, caring, gentle-hearted, slap-up funny people of faith. We had taken a number of, uh, uh, taken on a number of mission jobs while we were there, the backyard Bible schools and the construction, and serving breakfast and preparing lunch at the homeless shelter. That was my team's work. Our team would arrive before dawn um, to cook breakfast. Getting from where we parked in the back of this house to the front door meant, meant stepping over and around folks who had spent the night in the yard. It was a gauntlet in and of itself because it was dark and there were several to step around. But the thing that had such a significant impact on me, and it still does, there was a poster that hung on the back door of the dining room. It was a picture of a bread line that folks stood in in the 1930s during the Great Depression. And when you looked close at that poster, you found Jesus standing in the middle of the bread line. It was a slap-on-the-forehead moment for me. And the question I began asking myself as I looked at each man in the eye, and they were mostly men, as I served them breakfast was, Are you Jesus? Are you Jesus? I wanted to steal that poster and bring it home to remember to keep looking at people in the face and asking, Are you Jesus? But I decided that was a little counterproductive to steal something while on a mission trip. (laughs) Jesus had been out preaching and teaching and feeding the 5,000 and sending the disciples out to work praying. They were up for it. Jesus had asked the 12, who do people say that I am? John the Baptist, although he had been headed by Herod by now. Elijah, or one of the prophets, also martyred by now. But then Jesus asked the question, so boys, who do you say that I am? Peter stepped to the plate and gave the answer that would change his life forever. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus told them that he would die soon and that whoever wanted to save their life would lose it. But whoever would lose their life for him would save it. About eight days later, as Luke tells us, 
we find Jesus and his three and three of the disciples on the mountain. Jesus needed some time away. He had taken Peter, James, and John with him. And while Jesus had gone off by himself to pray, Peter, James, and John were at a distance trying their best to stay awake. God bless them. And in the middle of all of that, Jesus changed. His face changed and his clothes lit up like lightning. Moses and Elijah showed up and Luke tells us that they talked about Jesus' departure, his exit plan, his death in Jerusalem. Now, let me stop here for a minute before we move on to waking up the disciples. Jesus knew what was ahead of him. He had just told the twelve in the passage right before this one that he was going to be rejected by the Jewish leaders and be killed. It was going to be the most difficult thing that Jesus had ever done. It would be heartbreaking to be rejected by the Jewish leaders. It would be soul-wrenching to be denied by his closest friends. And it would be excruciating to be crucified on a cross. Jesus was not going easy into that good night. And as we learn later, he asked God if there was any other way to accomplish what needed to be done. I believe God sent Jesus the two people he needed the most to help him understand the impact of what was about to happen. Moses and Elijah. The law and the prophets. God gave Moses the law, the Ten Commandments. And if we had just paid attention to those ten do's and don'ts, things would have been different and life would have been good. But nope. So God sent the prophets to tell us what we needed to do. And even when we were messing up, they were here to guide us back to the path of the good life. But... Nope. So God sent the Christ, the Messiah, God's own son, the one who would come to show us himself what the good life could be. Moses, the law. Elijah, the prophet. Jesus, the Messiah. All right there together. And then God gave Jesus the one thing he needed most. This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Confirmation and blessing. Jesus knew. So back to Peter, James, and John, who fortunately woke up in time to see this whole thing. But being the human goobers that we are, Peter's reaction was, well, let's build the tent, a monument, a dwelling place. Because that's what Jewish people always did. Something happened and they blessed a rock or dedicated a tree or built an altar. It's all over the, New, the Old Testament. Every time you turn around, something's been given a name to remember an event. So it was kind of natural. 
natural for Peter to want to build something to mark the spot. Let's just stay here a while. Jesus, you and Moses and Elijah and James and John and me, we can build a spot, a tent, and not go back, at least for a while. And we just stay. And a cloud covered them, and they heard it. This is my son, whom I've chosen. Listen to him. Confirmation and blessing. The disciples knew. Those mission trips and retreats are life-changing. Those worship services in this very room that speak right to where you are and you suddenly get it. Those vacations where we see God's incredible handiwork. Those times when life gets hard and we aren't at all sure we're going to make it sitting in a doctor's office, standing in the unemployment line, walking into an empty house. And we realize that we are not alone. We feel the brush of angels' wings. We hear God's still, small voice. And we know the presence of the Lord is in this place. And all we want to do is hang on to that moment forever. Build a tent, a monument, a place we can go and God will be there. Please don't make me go back. The world is a tough place to be. There are pressures and stresses and expectations and those who need things from me. The world. Can't we just stay here and build a tent where God is? And we too hear, this is my son whom I've chosen. Listen to him. Confirmation and blessing. And we know. The next day they came down from the mountain and Jesus went back to work. There was still work to be done. Healing a boy with epilepsy. Settling an argument between his own disciples about who was going to be the greatest. Good grief, they were already the top 12 for heaven's sakes. Didn't they know? But Jesus, who's your favorite? Who do you like best? Teaching those, teaching that those they've always considered their enemies, well, God actually loves them too. Trying to make them understand and following Him will cost them everything. We have work to do in this very community. We have work to do. There are folks out there who need to know that Community Baptist Church is a safe place to come. There are folks out there who need to know that we as a congregation are here to help if you are homeless, if you need to eat, if you need someone to stand next to you and hold you up when you don't think you can stand yourself. We have work to do. There are those who need to know what the fruit of the Spirit tastes like. 
how it feels to be loved, to laugh joyfully, to experience peace, to wait patiently. As Ryan Gillette taught me, being patient means waiting with love, joy, and peace. For some, it's been a long time since they've been treated with kindness and gentleness. Goodness and faithfulness is something that happens to other people, not them. Y'all, we have work to do. Those mission trips and retreats and being in this place of worship and peace is a great thing. I love these mountains. They give us strength and renewal and confirmation and blessing. And the next day, they came down from the mountain. And Jesus went back to work. May it be so with us. Let us pray. God of the mountains, we love spending time with you. It's like drinking cold water on a really hot day. You give us a peace on that mountain that is unlike anything the world has to offer. You remind us of your love and grace. You listen. You forgive. You bring us joy. God of the Mondays and Tuesdays and Thursdays, help us when things get hard and we are tired and just want to give up. Remind us there is still work to do. But when we do your work, when we listen to you and follow you as we have been instructed, we find you. And my goodness, God, there is nothing better than to watch as others find that peace and love that can be found only in you. So our work is to live and love in such a way that others see you. Our work is to share you. God of us all, it has been a good day. How about we go to work? Thank you for loving us. And God, we love you too. May you see that in our work. Amen. Will you stand as we sing our closing song?
I leave you with the words of Henry now. In a world so torn, torn apart by rivalry, anger, and hatred, we have the privileged vocation to be a living sign of love that can, bring, that can bridge all divisions and heal all wounds. May it be so. Amen. Amen. Amen.